Hey there, thanks for tuning in to the ABM Voice Podcast, a show on all things account-based marketing and B2B marketing. I'm your host, Arun Gopalaswamy. In this edition, I'm speaking to Raghu Raghavan, the CMO at Aspire Systems. Aspire is a technology company that provides consulting and IT services for global corporations. Raghu is a seasoned B2B marketer with over two decades of experience under his belt. In this freewheeling discussion, we talk about his view on ABM, its evolution, ways to drive inter-team collaboration, its advice to young marketers, among many other things. I hope you like it. So let's get started. Hi, Raghu. Welcome to the ABM Voice Podcast. Super thrilled, actually, to have you on the show. I know you're a busy man. Thank you so, so much for taking time and talking to us. I'm sure this show is going to create help for people who particularly who are into P2B marketing as well as in the ABM space. I wanted to start by asking and have you talk a little bit about your career. I think I know it's a long, it's close to 25 years or so, and you've played multiple roles. I just wanted you to talk us through the journey that you've had so far. Yeah, I think I realized that I want to be in marketing, I would say probably in my early 20s when I graduated for, in engineering and started my career in engineering, then I realized that this is not my cup of tea. But then I had to go through the experience to realize that I need to do something in the business space, uh, mainly in marketing. So that's where the goal of getting an MBA came into the picture. I went to Thunderbird in Arizona, 97, got my MBA. Soon after that, probably 99, I think I joined Altil Communication Services and Little Rock. Again, I was not doing marketing, I was more on the technical side, but then I realized that it's going to take more time I'm there to become a part of the marketing team. So I moved to Silicon Valley, San Jose, where I joined a semiconductor company called Atmel, who bought a Norwegian processor company and they were setting up the marketing team in San Jose. And that's my probably my first big exposure to uh, B2B marketing. And the good thing about that was even that Atmel was a multi-billion dollar company, we worked like a startup. So it means I had the opportunity to wear different hats, like sales, account management, product market, deal market, tactical. So it gave me an overall picture of how organizations should work, what are the thing, challenges. So it kind of gave me a 360 review and also strengthened my B2B marketing basics. Uh, I had a great team, multicultural team. And the good thing about that role was it was a global role. So I had uh, insights into how the APAC region works, the European region works, and of course, the North American markets. Where I was there for eight years. So I was able to get 360 view of uh, marketing works in different regions. What are things that are different in each region? How do you message for each region so it was a kind of eye-opening experience mm -hmm. which i am reaping the benefits mm -hmm. at this point of time because that's the experience i'm banking on even in my current job so uh, those eight years were quite invaluable and i see the value even more at maybe well, let's say 10 15 years after that so you know, definitely probably where i built the foundation again so once i came to india i was in b2b marketing working in the startup so that's a mnc you can say but then in india i worked in the startup ecosystem for six years so here you have to do everything by yourself right i mean it's not just you don't have the budgets like how you used to have how can you do lean marketing so these are things which i learned practiced and in my current work so i kind of take the best of both was both in a startup scenario and in the mnc scenario, what can be adopted and and that has helped me immensely in aspire 
I just wanted to have one follow-up question on this. What is that you love in B2B marketing as well as being a B2B marketer? I think I always like to be an underdog. That mm-hmm. means I kind of don't conform to established theories. Mm-hmm. So I always like to mm-hmm. try new things. And probably the, the thing I love is when it comes to fruition, where I'm able to demonstrate this impact of those strategies. So that's something I always love in doing it in any scenario. So right. where right. being a kind of uh, quote-unquote non-conformist, I, try, I love to try new things, experiment. I'm, uh, let's say, I love to fail. But then at the end of the day, if I'm able to be succeed in one of my initiatives then that gives me the high that i need as a marketer. Right. marketing is nothing but a set of experiments out of that one going right right absolutely I think, right so i think you need specific sort of mindset to accept failures and keep doing it and then doing it for that one thing and it's also a field where i think failure is tolerated in a way absolutely. that you have the flexibility to do it unlike if it's if it's something on the technical side right engineering side where this is probably not possible because that can either kill your business also so this is an ABM podcast, and then we always start by asking guests to define ABM in their own words. The way we define ABM, is it is a way of targeting your prospects, your engaged prospects in a way which you have not done before. Mm-hmm. A typical B2B mm-hmm. company will say that, hey, I'm going to target LinkedIn and Google Ads and Google campaigns. But we realized that it's all in silos. It's got to connect everything and understand what your prospect means. What we realized was it was able to give... A, a 360-degree view of what a specific a prospect is doing with your website, with your content, right? right. I think right. that's something AB has given us. So we know that how much engagement that a prospect is doing with, for example, my bank content. You know, where is he engaging? How is he engaged? And uh, what should we do next? Is he sales ready? Or is, does he still needs to be nurtured? So a lot of the questions got answered. I would say I'm part, more partial to leads than mm-hmm. branding. Branding will come in. But the way you sequence your campaigns, your engagement, engagement will help you build the branding and ultimately to lead. So that's what I've viewed AVM and Aspera. That's what my team is on. And all their strategy is based on this. Excellent. So one of the follow-up questions, part of it you've already answered, right? So what actually led you to, to adopt this new framework? And you started pretty early, you said, for three years. We've been engaged for the last almost two years, or slightly over two yeah. years, right? And what actually led, so what was that like, starting point for you to, the, to try out experiment ABM and, actually, and, and eventually switch on to this process for your marketing? I think three years ago, the ABM was more of furiousness, like a fear of missing out kind of a scenario. But then it helped us to go back to a drawing board and say, and the pandemic actually, fast forwarded this process because we knew what's happening in during the pandemic is that every company in the world is going digital that means from a optimization costing perspective budget perspective it's going to only hit us even more and it will be harder for us to give an ROI to the senior management because what the pandemic has done so that kind of forced us to kind of look at record type and say okay what can we do and one of the reasons why actually we chose record type was the previous vendor we didn't have a good support in terms of answering our questions strategy question what we do next you know we actually felt there was a gap there i think so one of the reasons why we want to require is someone in the same time zone helps us in terms of getting their support and also we were much more clearer in terms of what we wanted and we actually didn't go a company-wide engagement we actually thought okay, i'm going to start with one specific business unit where i know i have a better chance of success let mm-hmm. me experiment with this and one 
we kind of get a hands on how it needs to be done, then we will spread it to other businesses. That's what the main strategy. So that's where the backing business unit came in. They worked on a strategy. We had a lot of content. Obviously, all digital marketing is backed by some good content. So one of the advantages we had was we have a lot of content in our system and want to make sure that it's it's kind of used in the right way. So that's why that's where the ABM started. We chose banking as our you can say guinea pig. We started I think around August September time frame and we are seeing the results at least today. that business we are seeing the results and uh, we have been able to generate good pipelines. It's kind of good news. Yeah, I think those early experiments that you've done groundwork, right? So even if it means choosing a guinea pig and then trying it out, and I think that has led to something. And I, I understand recently it's smart. I think if they've chosen you as one of the leaders, uh, it's a fantastic effort. Congratulations from myself and the team, Thank right? You. And to you and the team. So, so what I wanted to understand is basically what does that award or recognition mean you personally as, as well as the, the team? So what does it like change in terms of your ABM? IT SME is one of the premier, specifically for IT services and software company. And we were a part of a category called ABM Lead Gen. And uh, it measures the lead gen, sales collaboration, and the kind of activities we do and the kind of results that come out of these activities. That's what they measure. And I think we were in the category of companies that self out. The biggest challenge for any marketer in an organization is to show ROI. There will always be questions, hey, what is marketing doing? And that's been a kind of holy grail of a question every time. How do you measure marketing? And this is probably one area where we were able to give the exact measurement. So we were able to produce, hey, we have generated almost $12 million worth of pipeline. And we are able to show which which of the customers are going to fusion, getting close, what kind of activities have led them to this kind of a closure. So we are able to record and demonstrate what activities we have done has led to a certain some kind of success right and most of CEO look for hey you are spending x amount what am i getting out of so i think this kind of helped us to demonstrate that part of the effort. and in that way you know it's more of a recognition that we are able to provide and because every business unit in my company say hey what kind of companies are engaging with us so right. we are get full data on whether it's apac north america europe yeah we are able to provide the data to geo geo heads in terms of hey you know these are companies in your area are engaging with us so then it kind of adds as a action item for them to follow with those accounts and see how they can get those accounts in that way, I think there's a lot of visibility inside the company itself. And that and this award is probably the recognition of that. I wanted to switch a little bit and ask about the role itself. So I think you have a distinct sort of a play where you're a CMO for leading IT services firm and you also have another subsidiary of Aspire Nergita, right? So we're more of right. an evolving product startup. So in your right. experience playing this dual role, so how, what do you see the, the approaches in terms of whether it could strategy or tactical things that you do between marketing your customers from these two organizations, which are like, I think, distinct in their own world. So how do you define strategies and how do you define, how do you execute at the high level i think i don't see any difference mm-hmm. it's just that i'm selling two different things but what i see is that from a product point of view i feel it's a, the audience is different because right. the lot for example right. in synergy as hr product that means the kind of domain expertise you need is showing thought leader is much higher you know from a product point of view for example mm-hmm. and the key thing is product point of view the outbound part doesn't work easily like unlike services right. in services outbound right. is a huge part of the whole sales and marketing 
setup. But I find that unless you have something really different and also this is something which one thing is beyond our control is you need to have a good initial momentum. And that means you're going to be really careful of how much you spend. So budget becomes a huge challenge in terms of how much you want to spend. Because if you look at product companies who spend a lot, they spend a lot upfront so that over a period of time, the curve flattens and the organic stuff picks up. While Synergita is kind of completely bootstrapped. So that means the child comes with their own challenges where purely content-led, how much of content, how much of thought leadership can we do in terms of so that we are getting discovered organically. And unfortunately, the pandemic has made it worse because now there's a lot of digital fatigue going on. So not a product company like Synergita is going to have a problem in terms of finding the differentiation with the other competitors they have. So what we have done in Synergita is focus on a lot of content development, a lot of different assets, videos. I, For example, I've done like almost five to 10 podcasts with thought leaders in the US. So those kind of things a lot. So more focus on content, more focus on organic. That's where we are focusing on. So that our goal is to make sure that we actually convert better. If I'm getting 10 leads, how do I get a good conversion? My service is slightly different is that I can actually fill the pipeline. It's a different standard in the sense I'll, that's based on volume. While here, what we are focusing on, even if I get 10, the pipeline through organic, I want to close maybe 50%. So, and once, if I'm able to do that, then probably that will help in the moment. There are different strategies there, but I think half of them, I will say the overlap is like 50%. The remaining 50% is it's very dependent on the kind of domain you are in, uh, markets you are going to focus. So then those things come into play a lot. Right? So those are probably, it's more of, I would say, the space you are in, the business space you are in, rather than IT product itself. I think that, let's say that, that has a huge impact on how easy or difficult for you to succeed. Yes, sticking to the IT services role where you are CMO of Aspire. So, so being a services company, I think you, you present in almost all verticals that one can think of, banking, retail, software, and whatnot. And, and each of these markets, I think they have their own unique attributes. And being a leader of such a team, so you need to have sense of market dynamics and the insights around the market, this specific market. And one size is something that's not going to fit at all. Right. So given right. that broad outlook, one need to have so how do you like sort of i mean fill yourself and then like evolve the strategy specific for each of the individual verticals i'll give you a simple example we try to avoid a lot of the noise that comes in what we do is at the end of the day if somebody is doing a campaign on let's say software engineering ultimately so what if you know we know the audience i always ask a so what question you can come up with two three points in terms of hey you know i'm able to do this i'm going to do that so right. what right and that's what the probably audiences want to hear you know it's not about what you can do how it's going to benefit them and that is something common across every services. What is the value we are providing? And is that clarity in that? So one of the things, exercises I ask my team to do is, can you tell your message in a tweet? If you're not able to tell your message in a tweet, that means your message is not clear, right? So that thing we try to do, I still stick to 140 characters, not 280, because 280 is still, I think, too long. But if you're not able to do it in 140 characters, your message, Hmm. That means you have clarity. If not, you need to go back to the drawing board and work on it. Right. We need to work on that so that you yourself are clear on that. And that helps in the messaging also. So even that copies water, I do, hey, you need to have your message 140 characters. Right. If right. you are right. able to do that, then you have clarity. And then go for the so what feature. You hmm. can say whatever you want unless you unless that message provides value to the audience, irrespective of what the audience, who the audience, you're not going to get it. Right. right. So that crispness in terms of like how you deliver messaging is something that makes them yeah. the team, right? To really understand the domain 
and then come up with messaging for that specific right and and yes. basically yeah and it's not because it's not about domain itself ultimately you are providing some value and right. are you articulating value the right, right. i think i just focus on that because then the more you dig in that's when probably the complexity and confusion starts so i we try to kind of stay away from that and make it simple like we have this kiss principle like keep simple stupid so right. so we follow the same thing that just make it simple don't right. over analyze the whole thing and then the key thing is monitor the campaign and keep tweaking the message something is not working then take immediate action to reset that's and that's probably the most difficult because you kind of run a campaign for a couple of months and you will be very uh, you'll be saying hey nothing is happening mm-hmm. we should probably catch it three weeks every three weeks you need to see what's working and pick the message up right right just a follow up question on that so in a way i understand this is like a common playbook as long as sort of you get the messaging it should work is that what you're saying I'll, I'll give you a simple example. One of my team members analyzed the ABM campaign and he had given four scenarios what this is my analysis of the campaign. And one of the, the ad copy is very bad, uh, its structure is very poor, but and the messaging is not great. Out of the four or five copies, this I got it today. Right. But then I found that that had more click to submission conversion. What it had was it had the buzzword, the keyword, which will which provides context to the audience. The audience didn't care about the creative part. They didn't mm. care about how it's structured. But what was written that made sense. So, If you go by the rule of hey your creative must be amazing you need the branding there all the stuff if you look at that this campaign should not have worked why it worked because of in spite of all these things the message was very relevant to the end the audience right and that's something was very clear in the current analysis that if this messaging is still the old school that worked if you don't have the right messaging in spite of all the great uh, things you can do it's not going to go anywhere because that the messaging has to be relevant to the audience and i think if you are able to ask that question of keeping it simple not to overanalyze too much there may be areas where creative works but ultimately what actually brings you the bacon at the end of the day is the message yeah so moving on so we can't talk about abm without talking about sales marketing alignment i wanted to understand what are the challenges that you had go through or you going through in terms of making that happen i think marketing sales alignment if you get it is utopia utopia means you probably never going to get it hmm. so i am actually against looking for full marketing sales alignment i don't think it can ever happen it's it's a pipe dream hmm. but then what can happen is there can be some alignment on some other things which marketing and sales can collaborate right. and that's where abm comes in the idea of abm is ultimately make the sales job easier how can i make sure that whatever these leads or account sales of how can i make the job easier for them and that's right. where abm comes in. so if you are saying sales marketing alignment in terms of helping sales open doors and uh, have closures yes i think that alignment we are getting there right. and part of the reason also is that that needs a lot of education in terms of what is abm mm-hmm. like even i think a lot of marketers if you ask 10 marketers what is abm i'm probably going to get 10 different answers and you can imagine the sales people do that code us and still understand how abm works it's going to be difficult right because for right. them at the end of the day, realistically if i am a sales guy i have a target quota i'm mm. going to see how i can get that quota done is like how can you help me finish my quota that's why i think abm is very helpful i don't think sales have to really understand abm but what abm can do is help sales understand the efforts that is being done in terms of engaging their accounts prospects getting the branding how it can help in opening doors and that's what we are doing in aspire is trying to help sales open doors
efforts right. and uh, are there any specific efforts that think of for you to make sure at least there's some sort of an alignment you don't want to work in two different direct right just at a program back to this is how i'm going to help i need your backing yes right? exactly right so we have a lot of sync up monthly sync up in terms of hey based on your your clients are engaging in these kind of content that means when they are able to reach out to the prospect then okay it gives some context to how what they can talk right so that's the intelligence we give to sales mm. right for example in aspire there are some offerings which only marketing which marketing takes but right. then sales right. don't have that limitation they can take multiple offers okay. because somewhere they don't expect a market but from marketing perspective it's limited to few offerings where we want to make a real impact mm-hmm. so that means if you look at alignment sales we will align ourselves with sales on those right. one and we idea is to give them the intelligence for them to go after their account so that when they are able when they talk to them there is some content that's why i think we can add value to sales also right, right? that's where the value right. right one maybe a tactical follow up question do you talk to them with the context of abm or again going back to the message delivery that we talked about in previous conversation we right? do. So, so basically what we also do is we do talk to them from the context of abm actually this year we are actually slowly started abm for some of the growth that the colleges have mm-hmm. so here is where exactly exact the collaboration happens right there is a sales has a discount where they want to make sure they want to grow 2x or 3x and when marketing works with the business unit and the relevant sales person how can we make into into the account what can kind a of message relevant for that account and that is where i see a lot of sales marketing align because we are here aiding sales a big way to open doors and help them meet their targets i think that's something we do right. on the other side we also share with them hey you know based on our abm campaign here is the segment which you are focusing on this is the kind of engagement we have mm-hmm. and for them that will be a kind of a clue to say hey, are there any accounts which they are familiar with and they are familiar with some of the accounts how can they what kind of message they can take to them but we also give them hey, for example x bank was more receptive to a digital message y bank is more receptive to a cloud message so that those kind of we give those kind of intelligence to them mm-hmm. outside of that for their strategic and growth accounts where they have a huge focus to increase the revenue what we call the existing right. in terms like 2x or 3x we have we work with them exclusively to basically uh, develop programs to penetrate right so i think like sales alignment the other topic that keeps coming right gets talked along with abm is the intent part we, you and i have spoken about this multiple times and yeah. my understanding so you are basically a proponent of culturing your own buying intent from your first party property than going and third party buying intent. so could you just elaborate a little bit more on why you think that way and as a topic of internet itself right so how do you view that i think it's it's a difficult call because i always felt that because we have spoken to many internet providers and some of them even claim that they have ai but it's difficult to say why someone is in the buying cycle why someone is not and then you and the kind of money you're going to spend again these internet providers are not cheap really really expensive now it comes back to say if i'm going to spend 50 to 100k for providing intent and uh, if i tell the sales guy hey these are the guy these are accounts you need to go after sometimes it becomes a wild goose chase because let's say i get company x is looking for let's say infrastructure solution and i tell my infrastructure say hey this is what intent i got please go after them because of wild goose chase because it's a new account for a sales guy they have no idea what how to go about who's the right target a lot of unknowns are there that person has to start that while when i'm doing something organically through my abm effort there is a brand recollection that's come the more and more i hit them with my abm more engagement they have that means when my sales guy is able to reach reach out to them there is a brand recollection and that's a huge thing because for example interestingly we had a used couple of intent intent leads probably 2 years ago it was a cold reach out to that person and there is no obligation for for the for 
want that person to basically talk to us, to engage right. with us. So it's right. a good reach out. But now when I'm going through ABM what campaigns, mm-hmm. then there's because of the brand recollection, at least they'll be, let's say, they have probably more, the possibility of them engaging as well is higher than a right. photos right. of the brand recollection. That's why I'm not that keen on third-party intent because we realize it kind of becomes a wild goose So your point of view is that, right? So could there could be an intent, but still has to go through the marketing and the ABM flow. Yeah, because before it reaches to salesperson you can't just transfer that in a raw format where it True. becomes absolutely because, because and again if the, let's say the intent is something immediate you can't mm-hmm. win because your ABM is going to take some time three or six months and by that time you have lost that opportunity and this is almost like stock market timing no you, you can't time the stock market the same mm-hmm. way you can't time it so if you're timing intent then you're going to have a challenge of how when should you go after that account interesting there were a couple of intent leads which we had a couple of years ago where that person already has implemented solution but he got but then we, when we got the intelligence say they're going to implement something now so there's a time factor which also needs to be taken into account that time factor has i think we have a better control if we are able to do it ourselves than go to third party so, and again and for, and for a customer to aspire right we have to be very careful what we where we invest our budget right so that also makes it even more difficult to let's say we have a limited of how many how what to where we should invest where we should not invest and third party intent is something we are not yet. yeah i think the next set of questions so it's more about trying to draw your opinion I wanted to start with the people aspect of it I think there are sections where you sort of alluded to to this point so you, you've been into doing ABM for the last three years the, how do you imbibe the culture of ABM where it's a lot about focus and not just going and then trying to target everybody so how do you personalize messaging and things like that what does it lead to team members what kind of understanding and cultural change that people have to transition to this new way of marketing I see is more of a mindset change in the sense that hey, what you have been doing is not working to the expectation. You got to do something different because I think the pandemic kind of forced us into that situation. Like, hey, whatever that was working before may not work now. Now we need to do something different and we need to do it fast. And otherwise, they'll be kind of left alone. We'll everyone will go forward and we'll be kind of trying to play catch. I think that fear came in. Was, okay, we need to do something, and that's where the whole ABM strategy came. I think it was a mindset change. But then the biggest thing is how do we approach ABM? That's always been the uh, huge question of everyone what do I do now so one other thing I tell my is treat it, treat it like a your first campaign is like a, your first date just meeting the girl for the first time and you're going to move it's more of a van. then you two days three days four days that means you're going to be engaging much more so I kind of give that kind of an example to them and make them think like that so that they know that okay you know, this is how they have to approach engaging with the prospect or start with the awareness slowly build the content credibility of Aspire right. and then choose the content what we have in terms of what, what will be good about content what is middle of the funnel i think these are still the basics i think the basics doesn't change it's just that your options of engaging with the audience is much much more than your previous strategy and you are able to build a user journey you know you kind of know okay this is the point where i know that this guy is probably ready to talk so right. i think that that kind of culture is there now and the funny thing about ABM is that it has generated a lot of bond that our inbound probably got increased 30%. Even now, mm-hmm. some of the, we are getting a lot of inbounds coming in. So it's it's indirect influence got organic because a lot of people think ABM is only something it's paid. Hey, you're going to get leads only that channel. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. It actually helps your organic exists and organic data. Excellent. So I think 
as an early adopter of Fabium, and I think we talked about how it's almost three years since it started. Now, how do you see this? And, and it has become a fairly mainstream, especially post-pandemic. People right. are looking for more focused approaches and things like that. It has become more mainstream. There's a lot more awareness within the marketing community. And, and how do you see that panning out in the next, let's say, two to three years? So we're already talking about how it's not ABM. It is more around experience, which is account-based experience than marketing, not siloed around marketing, right? even though it was supposed to be a right. sales marketing and other functions getting aligned. So where do you see this sort of transition? Could be just a change in nomenclature from ABM to ABX, but I think underneath, right? So what essentially how things are going to change? I think the foundation is still the same. I think the basics are not going to change, right? You still have all the... You still have to uh, date somebody before you can marry. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that thing never changes. So that thing will always be the same. Right. Maybe here, where it goes, is maybe it's like speed date, like whether you can be in two time zones. So it's more of how can you engage with the audience in multiple different ways and multiple different points of time without probably being a stalker. That There's always a gray area in digital space. How much is enough and how much is not enough? I think there will be a period where it might go into overboard but I think it will come back but the key thing is the basics are not going to change I think for services companies and product companies it's going to be different I think the experience part will be more on product companies because product companies is based on experience and while services they go with a different mindset that way I think experience is there but if you look at it next 2-3 years majority of the companies who are entering who are in ABM will still be doing what we are doing right even though ABM is mainstream but the adoption rate is always in a hey I'm going to do only this part of money not actually doing the true sense. So for that true sense to uh, kind of reach to a wider population, that will take in the next two, three years. Yeah, like guards. So, so I think they, yeah. these are companies or marketers yeah. where they yeah. want to want to use tried and test. But like yeah. somebody like Aspire, yeah. where you've invested heavily on ABM before somebody knew there's something called an ABM at part of the world. So what do you think you will do differently? Maybe I think that was yeah. years from now. The key thing for me right now is say how can I replicate the success of one business in across the strength? Even though we talked about sales marketing or how can I basically sell sales on this concept? Maybe our whole go-to-market itself will change, where everything will be ABM focused. Whether uh, right from aligning what is my target for next year, next two years, next three years, everything will be on how ABM can help them do it rather than doing it alone. I think that thing from a company strategy itself, I hope ABM comes into that level of importance. I think that I think that could change a lot. So more of rather than experience for the audience, I how ABM is adopted internally is go will probably go through a massive change. Business units will look at ABM as a way of enhancing their business units. That means you may probably get better content, much more micro segmentation. That's something I talk in our case study for IT where we have won the award. We actually talk a lot of micro segmenting. ABM allows you to segment even two, three levels lower and then right. also go for it. I think that's going to be even more relevant for Aspire because that is where I think we can also make a differentiation in terms of how to target customers based on a very niche area of expertise. So micro strategy, micro segment. I was just saying ABM will go through a big change more from organization strategy than external. Got it. Yes, I think that was my last but one yeah. question. So ABM as a vocabulary, is this something that, that is known in the executive community, right? So you, let's see you are a CFO. Uh, do they understand the essence, at least yes. uh, what it offers and why we're doing it? Because one of the things people advocate is that how this has to be a business strategy. And for that to become a business strategy, you need to make those people aware. Do you see that community acknowledging the existence of ABM and then even adopting? Now, yes. I think post 
our efforts, which we did in the last six, seven months with, I think that has definitely put ABM as one of the top initiatives in the organization because some of the initiatives which we started this year, which we are starting now, has come from the executive. So I think that way, I think there is a lot of recognition and a lot of importance to it is given. And the same time, expectation is also sky high because everybody is looking for that silver bullet. How do I gain more customers, gain more revenue? And right. ABM is kind of added to a list and probably has gone to the, one of the top three or four in the list. So, so with that comes pressure. Make sure ABM works across the organization. And that means you need to have systems, people, processes. If now the executive leadership understands this, that means uh, we need to have built a much more solid culture around it. So uh, I think that's where we are right now. That's right. right. It sounds like as though I think not far from now that you're going to get ideas on how to execute APM from the executive. There is definitely there. I think now it, it definitely because we have started, for example, this is the first time we have actually even hired someone who will start strategizing, working with each business unit. Uh, that team will also grow. I think it's, it's slowly building, but yes, the future looks quite exciting from an ABM point of view. At least I'm betting my future on it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I most of the time I work closely with all the ABM campaign, looking at it, I see what works, what is not working, how can we change it. I mean, that thing keeps going. I get involved. I try to get my hands there. So I it's also a learning process for me because what worked in banking, for example, may not work in some other business unit. So how do I customize a business unit? Can we do a template? So we are working on different ways of improving our ABM efforts. The initial feedback has been good. It's more from Banner's perspective, getting visitors to our website. And that way, I think it's worked. Now we want to make sure how do I take that and advantage and build much more on Got it, got it. Yeah, so I think you talked about how you're becoming a practitioner itself, right? So, which is good. And somebody who wants to build a career out of it or transition from the whole way of marketing into ABM and there's a lot of interest, right? So, we come across a lot of young people, professionals who wanted to build a career out of ABM. What would be a couple of advices that you might have for them? For people who were aware of the traditional marketing who wanted to transition or somebody who's directly getting into the stream of marketing? Yeah, I think... The traditional marketing knowledge is important because that will definitely help you fast track your ABM knowledge also. That needs to be there. And I think ABM is going to be different in different companies, I feel. Because every company's culture, based on culture, ability, people, that will change. That you have to be open. What worked in Aspire, if you were a different company, maybe something else and the KRS will be something else so you have to be very open-minded and ABM is not a sprint it's a marathon right, right? It's sometimes I feel I sometimes say it's a hybrid approach initially you go into a sprint but then at the end of the day you need to make sure how can you sustain the effort over a long period of time sometimes I say you should go with no expectations or very open mind that for some people ABM start will start within six months for some people it can be one year so you need to have that patience the key thing is for you to be perseverance doing the, doing it again again iterate learn iterate learn that needs to happen and if you are able to do that I think you will you'll, you'll get it I think right. you will find success the key thing not to think that as a sprint and do it but hmm. look at it as a matter Think that as a right. Is that the thing that it is more for a leader of that particular team or whatever, or, or individuals or team members? Or I think it's for everyone because that's what ABM is. The moment you see, I'll, I'll tell you what, the moment you think I need some results in three to six months, right? Then it also affects how you're going to uh, messaging, what the activities, what you're going to do. Because when you're able to realize that it may take some time, you'll also have clarity in your thoughts on what, how, do you, how you're going to do it. It's, again, it's the mindset thing, right? You're going to be impatient, then it will affect how you even execute the ABM. 
But if you're ready, so I'm here for the long haul. Right. Then you'll probably have more clarity. You might get early success. That's why mindset is really important in ABM. Right. You need to go into right. the into ABM thinking that might take three months, one year. But the right. key thing is not to give up. Excellent. Uh, I think this has been like a wonderful lot of things to cover, right? Uh, and I'm, I'm sure so we can going. I don't think the listeners so much of patience <laughs> listening to us. But again, thank you so much. If any of the listeners just wanted to contact and, and have a conversation with you online, offline, what would be the best medium? I think LinkedIn is probably the best medium for anyone to reach out to me. You can look at Raghunath Vijay Raghavan in LinkedIn for spare assistance. You will see me. So right. uh, I think that's the best uh, way to reach out. Okay, Raghu, thank you so much again. It was a wonderful chat. Thanks, Arun. Thank you. You are listening to the ABM Voice Podcast. This show is produced by Reiko Tab, edited by Hanfus Bakker, mixing by Kelku Productions, research by Ashik Peter. If you have questions or feedback, write to us at podcast at reikotab.com. Until next time, this is your host Arun signing off. Thank you.